Welcome to Big Fish Stories, the podcast dedicated to telling the real outdoor stories of adventure, hunting, and fishing. For the outdoors men and women who get lost in the stories around the campfire, this is the place for you. My name is Tyler Hendricks, located in the great state of Idaho, and today I have one of my good buddies, Mr. Eric Haywood, and uh, he's joining us today on the podcast. How's it going? Good. Good. What you up to? Same old, same old, man. Today you had an interesting story already happen. Are you allowed to tell it? Oh, with elk? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we, uh, one of our members was skiing on a ski trail and mm-hmm. had an elk drop dead in front of him. Yep. And then within two hours, there was a report of two other elk dead. Yeah. So I got to deal with fish and game and gosh, play some reconnaissance for him. It was we, kind of fun. We've had a plant in our valley that now is known for killing elk. What's it called? Uh, Japanese yew, I think. Japanese yew, obviously not local here. Yeah. Uh, and it's now outlawed, right? It is. But people still have it somewhere on their yard and yeah, the they buy it online and, and kills them quick. Yeah, apparently within yeah, minutes from bummer. what they told me. That's a bummer. Uh, so tell me a little bit. You and I have talked. We've done... Uh, we've done like hunt of a lifetime together, volunteered mm-hmm. for hunt of a lifetime together. Um, so I know a little bit of your story, but I'd love to dive into it a little bit more. Tell me a little bit about what age you started getting into hunting and, uh, do you fish a lot? I do. I fly fish quite a bit. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Tell me when you started getting into these activities and, uh, and why? Well, I grew up in Jackson, Wyoming. And I was actually outside of Jackson on. I didn't know that. Surrounded by national property land. So it was kind of like free reign to do whatever you wanted. Right. My dad worked all the time, but he got me into fly fishing when I was probably three. Mm-hmm. So from three to 13, that's pretty much all I did. Awesome. Didn't hunt. My dad didn't hunt. So mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody to, to do those things with. And then somewhere in high school, 13, 14, I just went with some buddies deer hunting and Mm -hmm. I was like, it's pretty cool. This is a challenge. I like challenges. Yeah. And then hunted a little, I don't know if I'd call it hunting in my terms of hunting now, but run around, drive around, shoot stuff out of the truck. Mm -hmm. And then there's a difference between like redneck form of hunting and real outdoor oh, hunting totally <laughs> and once you like real outdoor hunt you mm. don't like the red no, no. hunting anymore and there's no going back uh no i invited some guys out of uh wisconsin uh, who came here and i kept telling them over and over you're not going to be driving down roads drinking beer waiting to find a deer <laughs> off the side of the road that's not what this is yeah uh, and they didn't believe me. And when they got here, they were done first day. Most of them dropped out first day. Uh, they hiked up one mountain and were like, nope, this yep. isn't for me. And they went fishing. Yeah. So good. It's big stuff. So you started in Jackson. I didn't know that. Yeah. Jackson's changed so much. Oh man, it's not even What are the place. differences between now and then? It's, I mean, it's like here now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a lot smaller when I was quick. there. I mean, we left... Well, I guess it was like 97. Yeah. When I was a kid, I remember going to Jackson and the only thing to do, you'd go as a field trip and you'd look at elk. Mm-hmm. Um, and you usually go during that migration period where it's protected for them to to walk through this certain area. Yeah. Um, go to the elk refuge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I actually heard a cool story about the elk refuge. You maybe you've participated in it, but I'll get to that in a sec. The only thing you do is you'd go on these field trips and you'd take those old fashioned photos uh, <laughs> where an old fashioned photographer and you're wearing yeah. like all the, gar- that was the thing to do. That was it. Like you'd go there, take that photo and you'd leave. Like that's yeah. it. And now I go there and I, I was telling my wife, we go there probably once a year, um, usually to get tattoos. Cause we like the tattoo artists there. And, uh, I was telling my wife that it's like Disneyland now, but no rides. It is. It's exactly perfect way to explain it shoulder to shoulder just walking down the street everyone in masks and you're not uh, you're just you're going into like these little tiny thrift shops i don't know how they've done it but tourism is crazy over there and we're starting to see that happen more and more in our valley yeah um uh, uh we i had a guy telling me about how um boy scouts 
used to, were you ever in Boy Scouts? For sure, period of time. Okay. In Jackson, I guess there's a whole fundraising event for the Boy Scouts where they pick up all the antlers from the refuge yeah. that drop from the elk and they pick them up and that's like, that's yeah. a, they sell all of those uh, for money for the Boy Scouts. I guess it's tens of thousands of dollars oh, yeah. even back then. And then I think they'd store some to redo the arches every so many years. Yep. But then they started having, um, I don't, I guess this isn't poachers, but it's guys doing illegal things. Uh, they would have these guys who right before the boy Scouts would get out there, these guys in the middle of the night with red mm. lamps would go out and collect as many as they could. And then it was way less for the boy Scouts. Still yeah. plenty. There's plenty of antlers out there, but yeah, way there's less. a lot of guys that get busted for that every year. Cause yeah. Wyoming has an opening date. Mm -hmm. They go out the night before it opens at midnight. Yeah. So you literally, it's crazy. I went one time and there are trucks everywhere. Yeah. And at midnight headlamps, floodlights, guys Gosh. are running. <laughs> it's like through fields looking for sheds. That's crazy. I bet they've got them all spot. Yeah. Like they, they know a lot exactly of where the, the big ones have dropped. Um, that'd be super fun. But a lot of guys will go out there and they'll pile them up. Mm -hmm. And then they'll just run straight for their pile. Yeah. And then guys oh. are like, wait a second. And yes. then they report them. That's what I've heard is yeah. they pile and they'll even like hide them in the forest, put them way up in the trees and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So they can just they yeah. know right where to go and get them. Yeah. I've heard a lot of stories about that. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> okay. So grew up in Jackson, did some fly fishing. Yeah. Um, uh, did you do a lot of fly fishing when you got here? I did. That's basically all I did once I got here. You got any good fly fishing stories? I mean, the only one that comes to mind was Biggest when I was fish. like, uh, I haven't really caught. Okay. I, the thing you'll learn about me is I don't catch big fish mm -hmm. and I don't kill big animals. <laughs> Not yet, at least. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. And I'm 33, so. Right. That may just be the from trend. From four, three to 30, whatever that is, yeah. 30 years. Yep. I haven't figured that I'm with you yet. for hunting. I'm with you. Uh, I definitely don't kill big ant. I mean, decent animals every year. Usually can mm -hmm. get a four by four every year. Uh, as far as mule deer, um, fish, I definitely catch some big fish. Uh, so I start gravitating more towards that. Um, of course hunting season hits and I'm, I'm all in, but mm -hmm. I, I go with people. I'll be in the vicinity of them. We'll split up. I told the story with my dad, where I sent him down one ridge, I went down the other, and dude shoots a nine by eleven mule deer. Yeah, I've never even seen that big of a oh, deer yeah. in real life. And I told him which ridge to go down. I usually would go down that ridge. <laughs> I was sick, but I sent him down that ridge, and he. Sh Some people are just luckier than others. Well, it's like uh, Ryan Smith. I don't know if you know him. Mm -hmm. He's a guy out of Fairfield. Mm -hmm. I was up uh, chasing this. I think he scored 178, mm -hmm. which to me, that's, that's the biggest buck I've ever, you yeah. know, one of the biggest bucks I've ever seen, Totally, especially on the ground. Mm -hmm. I was chasing him for 15 days. <laughs> it was the second to last day. Yeah. And this, he's not big, yeah. probably that wide. Yeah. That tall five by five. Great he buck. had some super cool inside stickers. Mm -hmm. He walked in front of me and I'm like, <laughs> it's freaking five o'clock on the second to last day. So right. I shot him mm -hmm. and I could not let that buck go. So I called Ryan and I said, if you want to go, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. We went up there and that deer came out with like 35 does Gosh. somewhere in that ballpark Yeah, on an open hill. Mm -hmm. We were sitting on a ridge. There was two pine trees between us and them. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I can only shoot 300 yards. And I'm right. like, well, if we get to those trees, that's 300 yards. Yep. And we're both like, there's no way that many eyeballs. Right. We cruised right up there, laid down, <laughs> got the spotting scope set up, yep. you know, camera on the spotting scope and he shot it. Gosh. And I'm just like, why can't this happen to this dude? Yes. No, I, I saw that video. That's an awesome video. Yeah. That was cool, huh? Um, yeah. And that's a good buck too. And you'd spot him from the beginning and never got a shot. Yeah, there was two or three of us in that area. Ugh. And it was kind of one of those deals like he was going around a mountain. However, deer go around a mountain. Good luck figuring that out. Right. But we all made a pact like you stay on that side, you right. stay on that side, I'll stay on this side. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, he just happened to walk out that morning on our side. Crazy. Do you think he just went into rut? 
I hadn't seen him with does before that, but it was, it was odd to me that that caliber of a deer mm-hmm. was with that many does that early. Right. Yeah. Cause I usually don't see that till going into November, mid November. Right. Yeah. I, it was weird. So this buck is the only buck I've seen that early that was with a bunch of does. Mm-hmm. He had grouped up probably 30, 35 does. Yeah. And, uh, the area that I, uh, and this is, I don't know if you've heard this story. I shot the antler off of him, um, because I had my, my turret was spun all the way the wrong direction. Um, but I told this story on uh, a couple podcasts ago. Uh, but he had herded up 35 does or so. And I had only, I was only looking at two that were bedded down and I saw him slowly walking through the forest. Mm-hmm. When I pulled the trigger, all of his does stood up and he was the only buck in all of those does and he was collecting them. And it was, it was like fifth day of the season. Really? Yeah. I couldn't, Dang. couldn't believe it. And as we were hiking up there, I kept telling my buddy, I'm like, I am not seeing a single deer. Like I'm not seeing any doe. Normally there's doe everywhere. There's bucks here. I'm not seeing a single thing. And he had cleared out the entire valley hmm. and collected all of them for himself by that point. But he was in a weird canyon that you can only access a couple different ways. Yeah. And you have to get there. Uh, you have to get there, you know, before 11, which is a trek. Um, and it's better to camp out there right. at that point. See, I'm not a mule deer expert. So yeah. What do you elk, love? I could, elk, love elk? Elk hunting is my jam. Cool. I love mule deer. I I love mule deer. I still have not figured out elk. See, I I don't know what it is. I mean, sure, I like big mule deer. Sure. I like chasing mule deer. But the few guys that I know that are really good at mule deer hunting, mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Instead of just walking around aimlessly for miles and miles and miles, <laughs> And hope to shoot a two point. Right. Like I'm going to link up with these guys yeah. and figure this game out. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it was like, okay, we're going to go to the top of that peak mm-hmm. in the dark. <laughs> and then we're going to sit there for nine hours. Right. Until it gets dark. And if we don't see anything, we're going to walk back. And yeah. I'm like, that's how you kill big deer. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah, I mean, scouting obviously helps, but it's sitting there and waiting for something to move. And mm-hmm. I'm, I have a hard time sitting. Right. Like patience for me is a tough thing to come by. Right. And have you found that it's different with elk? Yeah. Cause elk, I mean, like if you very rarely do I ever draw a rifle elk tag. Right. So I don't, I'm always archery hunting Mm -hmm. and there is no, to me, the way I hunt, there's no sitting around. No, I'm, I, I mean, I'm head down walking, calling, walking, calling, right. walking, calling until I find something that wants to play or right. I see them. He like, sure, I'll, I'll go up in the morning, sit down, glass. Mm-hmm. But, and elk's one of those animals that I can find all day long. I can right. hunt them all day long. Mm-hmm. A big buck, unless you see him in the morning bed down, yeah, you're going to have to sit there with oh, yeah. your spotting scope and, Look at every tree, every yep. bush, because they'll you, lay down and they won't get up until it's almost dark. Totally. Yep. And you have to, for mule, so mule deer, I would say out of anything that I do, mule deer is what I know. Mm-hmm. And it's just because I've been doing it since I was 11 years old. Uh, and I have, what's important for mule deer, I've found is having those spots that you know other hunters are around, but they're not hunting it like you're hunting it. Yeah. You know how to hunt this and you know where the deer come out and where they exit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this one spot where I shoot pretty much, I, I shoot pretty much deer that are decent four by fours. Uh, every year I have two or three spots where I know where they're going to be. Um, it's just a matter of, can I get there without disturbing the entire mountain? Mm-hmm. Um, and do I have the patience to wait? Uh, the the buck that I shot this year, I literally am hiking up to this ridge and I sit from daylight, six, six o'clock to usually around 10 a.m. So I have a four hour window and I know that I only have this little ridge that they're going to move back and forth on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know I have to be watching it and I'm not even looking like there's other places to look. I don't even care because I know if I see them way down there, I'm not going to get there in time. 
I'll have to wait the next day to do it. So usually I'll start looking over there if I'm not seeing anything in this spot, mm -hmm. but I will look at this 200 yard stretch of mountain and it's a 200 yard shot and I'll wait there for four hours because I know where they're going to cross. And that's how I get um, the four by fours I get every year. Yeah, um, it's, See, that's trusting, trusting what you know. Yeah. And the little I know about mule deer, mm -hmm. I mean, I, try to trust it, but mm -hmm. it's just like when you're stalking an elk or a mule deer with mm -hmm. your bow. Right. And you watch them bed down somewhere and then you plan your stock. And most time for me, it's not up the hill ways. Mm -hmm. It's like, I got to go four miles around right. the canyon through cliffs to the other side to get downwind. And then for me, the struggle comes with when I get to the spot, sitting there until dark right because you don't know if that deer left in right. the time it took you to get all the way over there but the only way because i have messed that up a hundred yeah. times oh yeah where i get impatient i start moving around or i'm like oh i'll throw a rock down there and it'll get make him nervous <laughs> well those big bucks they've played the game long oh, enough yeah. you hit move. you throw a rock they either don't move <laughs> yeah or they're gone they oh, don't yeah. they don't stand and up like a little exit. buck and look around like <laughs> What was that? Right. You know, like they're all of a sudden an antelope yep. going from zero to 60. And then you never see them again. That's game. Yeah. Game the, especially over. those big bucks that, that, that come out of, um, that come out of like cliff sides, mm -hmm. like that come out of mountain goat areas. Um, I've noticed that the, the best way to hunt them. And we had a guy on previously who says he agrees with this. The best way to hunt them is as quietly as you possibly can move through the forest mm -hmm. and right at the base of those big cliff areas. Yep. Because oftentimes they come down, they check to see if, if the girls are in heat yet. Um, they eat a little and they'll bed down or they'll move right back up into the boulders where you can't access them. So moving really stealthily through the forest to try. And I haven't, I have not mastered that. I've seen big bucks through the forest like that, but never, even getting close to getting a shot at them. You just see antlers blasting oh, yeah. through. That's usually when you see them. Yeah. I had probably, he was close to 200 inches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was just walking through the forest, like you're saying under mm -hmm. some cliff bands mm -hmm. and this buck was laying there. Yeah. I never saw him mm -hmm. until I heard branches popping behind me mm -hmm. and I turned around and he was running. Gosh. I, he just, hunkered in, yeah. didn't move mm -hmm. and just let me walk right past him. Yeah. It's, and, uh, my dad was telling me about, um, a story where he used to tell me all the time when I was a kid that sometimes these big bucks, when they're migrating from the mountains down into the desert, will stop in bed all day in these little tiny quakies. Mm -hmm. And he has a monster typical mule deer from him standing on top of a ridge right off of a road with a little patch of quakies and he was just throwing rocks in it. Yep. And this huge buck jumped out and he happened to be ready. Uh, That's how I, I learned how to hunt elk. Is it? <laughs> yeah, go down like south. And yeah. Throw rocks into quakies and That's shoot them when they run funny. out. Yeah, I've never, I've never had success doing that, but apparently that's what, that's what some people have mastered. See, I think you got to take a mix of all of it and just try everything till yeah. it works. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, do you have any good archery elk stories? Do you have any of like, you're dinking around because I feel like this happens to all oh, archery yeah. hunters where you are not paying attention middle of the day. Um, and all of a sudden one sneaks in on you. Yeah. My best friend Eddie and I were out in, I think it was an evening hunt and we didn't, we had like four hours maybe. So we kind of gained some elevation and started side hilling, got to where we wanted to be, sat down. And I don't know why we did what we did, mm -hmm. but I set my bow down. He put his bow like five feet away from him, mm -hmm. put his backpack between his legs. And this is a kid I've hunted elk with like yeah. for a long time. Mm -hmm. And we don't usually make dumb moves. Right. He pulls out a bag of trail mix and sets it on top of his backpack. Mm -hmm. So he's rustling around in it. And then for whatever reason, I decided I was going to bugle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I ripped off a bugle and like 30 yards away, this bull walks out. 
I reach for my bow. Mm -hmm. I get my bow. I get it in front of me. I put an arrow, knock an arrow. Mm -hmm. And then I look down and I realize that I left my release in the truck. Oh. So then I'm thinking I've never shot my bow with my <laughs> fingers. So I'm like, this can't work. <laughs> and Eddie's obviously stuck because he's got a bag of trail mix. His bow's five feet away. <laughs> so we got to stand there or yeah. sit there while this bull looked at us oh. like a bunch of idiots. And that's hard. Walked back off through the trees. We had a, we had a, a hunt, my dad and I, a couple of years ago. Um, I've never had a hunt like this where elk were literally running in from all directions and we were calling maybe 50 yards out of the truck. Um, and I didn't know that the elk were in this mood. I walked out of the truck, we hiked up the ridge and I realized I need to take a poop. And so I said, dad, just stand here. I'll call while I'm taking a poop. And so he's, you know, it's stupid, but mm -hmm. he's standing there and I'm back behind him doing my business. And I walk up and I'm like, let's go. And he's frozen, completely frozen. And I'm like walking around going, come on, let's go. like, I, I just did not think there would be an elk there. Yeah. <laughs> and he's completely frozen because there is an elk and it's looking at us. It doesn't know what we are, but it's moving slowly through the forest. Nice big five by five. Um, and he's walking through the forest and there's one pine tree that he walks behind. My dad draws back fully. And at this point I'm, I'm, I'm behind my dad. My dad draws back and his arrow pops out of his knock and falls on the ground while he's at full draw. And I'm freaking out because I didn't know if he knew mm -hmm. that his arrow wasn't in there anymore. He did, but he didn't know what to do because the bull's staring at him. He's at full draw, no arrow. And he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to scare the bull. So, and this is one of my dad's first time archery hunting in a long time. Um, so he bends over at his waist and is trying to pick up the arrow while he's at full draw. And so his, he's like shaking at mm -hmm. this point because he's been in full draw for so long. He bends over and picks up the arrow, knocks it. The elk turns for some reason. And then he's able to like shrink back, get it, get it back in the knock, pull back. But his arms are so dead by this point, the bull's facing him. He eventually, I think, he, I don't know if he even meant to shoot, but out goes the arrow. The arrow just flies way off in the distance. The elk still is just standing there. I'm dying laughing at this point, which is what spooks the elk because I witnessed this whole thing. But he had, he got a shot on a few elk that morning from us calling it in. Uh, it was one of those crazy fluke mornings mm. where we were literally hunting a hundred yards from the truck, just beginning our hunt. And there's elk running in from all directions. See, I like mornings like that. Yeah. I don't find them though, because I'm usually like out of the truck at 4 a.m. Right five, six miles back by the time the sun comes up. Right. Which is probably the way to do it. Because I have it in my head that you cannot kill animals close to the truck. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The only person that I see do it consistently is my dad. He's, God really likes him or he's the luckiest person ever. But he, oh, I got friends like that too. It's crazy. Like we, there was, I think four of us drew 49 bull mm -hmm. one year. And we all got up. We obviously went to the bar when they all got in town, mm -hmm. drank too much. Three of us got up and left, mm -hmm. went and died all day. <laughs> Come back to my house. And the fourth guy who wouldn't get out of bed had a six by six bowl strung up in the garage. And I'm Gosh. like, where'd you shoot that yeah. thing? Hell, I was going to meet you guys and he was standing in somebody's camp. So I shot him. I'm like, <laughs> what? He's like, I was like, what you do? Yeah. Did you load it whole? And he's like, well, I gutted it. I'm right. like, you left a gut pile in some guy's camp. That's that's real cool, yeah. <laughs> right. And like three years later, he comes out here and he was driving by a campground, coming to meet us because we had spiked out for a few days. Mm -hmm. And he shot a 200-inch mule deer running across the road oh out of the campground. Gosh. And I'm like, that's crazy. I didn't even see a deer in four days that I was up there. If I didn't <laughs> love what I do... uh it would be really discouraging to even get up that early and get out there. But that's yeah. so much of the hunting part of it. Like if I were to drive out and shoot one in a campsite, I would be like, that's it. That's my season. I think I would do it for a 200 inch mule deer. <laughs> 200 inch mule deer, we're shooting anywhere we can. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I don't, backyard. that's not the way I like hunting. <laughs> I like being, I like being up high. Yeah. As far away from anybody else as I can be. Right, right. Um, what's been your most miserable pack out? 
I've had a couple, but I think the one that tops it was five by five bowl. It wasn't super far from mm -hmm. a road. Tell, is there any story involved with the hunting part? So we got up and I won't name canyons because this is like my favorite place to get. Well, don't, don't name canyons. Even if, if I can, did, if you can help it, somebody would walk in there and go, that guy's crazy. And <laughs> leave. Right. But there was two access points that on the road were probably six miles apart. Mm -hmm. And the two canyons were each like six miles long mm -hmm. with a 10,000 foot pass between them. Mm -hmm. So we got the bright idea to drop truck at the bottom, drive to the top 4 a.m., mm -hmm. drop that truck, hunt the one canyon yeah. in the morning. We'll spend midday hiking, you know, just 10,000 foot pass, no big right. deal. And then we'll come out the other way. Yep. So we did get into a bull in the first canyon about halfway back. Same thing. Arrow got punched on mm -hmm. the drawback. It flew like four feet, bull yep. ran away. So yep. then it was like, oh, well, I guess we get to do this 10,000 foot pass. Right. We came down the other side, ran into some mule deer bucks. So mm -hmm. we chased them for a while and then kind of side hilled around, got into a big group of elk, ended up shooting that five by five at seven o'clock in the evening. Mm -hmm. And right after we shot it, it started pouring rain. Mm. And I'd never been in this canyon before, and the guy yeah. I was with had, but he'd only been up the trail. Mm -hmm. Once the trail ended, he's like, that's where I stopped. Right. So I looked at my maps. Mm -hmm. I don't think Onyx was around at the time. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh, it's not a big deal. There's a trail like 200 yards below us. Mm -hmm. We'll just pick that up and mosey on out of here. So we hung the hindquarters, I think. So we left the truck at 4 a.m., Seven o'clock, I think we had it broken down by nine. It's pouring rain. We left. Next thing I know, we're in like the bottom mm. and it's all deadfall creek. Ugh. It took us like four hours to go a mile. Yep. And at this point, we're like exhausted, mm -hmm. hypothermic. And I'm like, we're going to die if we don't <laughs> find that trail or right. we just need to stop, start a fire and ride it out. Right. So I ended up for some reason looking up like over this little rise that mm -hmm. came from the creek and I saw a tent mm -hmm. and I was like, well, thank God there's somebody in here. Yeah. So I walked over the tent, found the trail. Mm -hmm. We got to the truck at 4 a.m. the next morning. Gosh. So I had enough time to go home, shower, turn around, go straight to work. Mm -hmm. I worked all day. And then it was obvious we weren't going in that night to get the other yeah. half. So we waited till the next day. Plenty cold enough. Oh, yeah. It was like end of September. Yeah, like cool. that time we always get rain, snow. Right. So there wasn't any worry there. Mm -hmm. And we got back and I'm thinking, oh, well, now we know the way. This is going to be super easy. Mm -hmm. We left the truck at 4 p.m. Mm -hmm. And we got back to the truck at 4 a.m. Oh. And I had the hindquarter. And we kind of always split things up mm -hmm. fair whenever I hunt with right. guys. So he had all our gear that we had taken in, food, water. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, well, you just carry the horns out. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I had a frame pack on. Mm -hmm. So I hooked the horns on the back of the frame pack. We're like moseying down and I hit this steep spot and slipped. And the horns hit the dirt. And that skull cap came up, hit oh, me in the back of the head, knocked me out cold. No way. And I like, he's freaking out. And I'm like, why are you yelling? Yeah. I just slipped and fell. Like, oh. not a big deal. And he's like, dude, you were out. Like, God. <laughs> so that was probably the most miserable one I've had. Oh. Yeah. So you're concussed and you still have yeah. to get back. Yeah. I still had like four and a half miles. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's funny because it gets to the point for a lot of these elk hunters. I don't, I don't think I'm there yet um but it gets to the point where that's what the that's what these guys love the worse it is the more i enjoy it yeah see you're right there yeah the sketchier I'm, the better <laughs> i'm definitely i'm definitely still i mean you know i i'll i'll take i got i got a good pack frame i'm confident that i can get it out but I oftentimes find myself when I'm initially hiking and I'm starting to, I'm starting to get away from this, but I'll find myself when I'm initially hiking going, you know, I'm going to take it easy 
because there could be something at this point that would allow for the drag or the pack out to be way easier than I, then if I get to this point in the dark and I start my hunt there, everything's going to be miserable. Mm -hmm. And I think true elk archery hunters, they want to get to that point because the more misery, the more fun it is for them. Well, and yeah, I, I do agree with that. Mm -hmm. I also like knowing 90% of the time when a bull answers me, Mm -hmm. there's no doubt it's a bull. Right. And there's, like, I'm not the fittest guy. There's guys that do way more than I do. Yeah. But where I go, it's it's crappy enough that some of those dudes are like, dude, yeah, I'm not packing an elk out of there. Totally. So don't call me when you shoot one. <laughs> and I always get back there and I'm like, it gets close, you know, like you draw back on a bull mm-hmm. and he stops behind a tree and walks away. And, and it's almost sometimes at the end of the day, you're just like, I'm really glad that I didn't shoot that right. <laughs> because – it would have turned into a miserable few days. Yeah, totally. No, that's a, that's a really good point. I'm with you there because if I start calling at the beginning of a hunt, I have zero faith that the thing that is responding to me is an elk. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it is, but I have zero faith and I don't even really hunt it serious. Right. I'll skirt around it and because sometimes I can't tell. Um, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, if you're... And I've had guys, I've had guys come into my calls and they're fuming mad, not at me. Mm-hmm. They're just mad at themselves that they wasted all this time getting to just another human. And now you have that weird shuffle of, well, who's going where, <laughs> which direction yeah. are we going? So yeah, that makes sense. Getting far away from everyone, knowing that the bugle that you're hearing is an elk or is at least worth the pursuit. Well, and I think that like, as somebody new getting into archery, mm-hmm. It takes a long time to realize that you listen to National Geographic, mm-hmm. you listen to elk sounds, mm-hmm. so you think they all sound the same, right? Like, I mean, besides just a little deeper growl yeah, or different tones. But I have heard some of the worst elk bugles, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, it's definitely a right. some guy, <laughs> and, and I not. don't take it seriously. And then all of a sudden, there's the biggest bull you've ever seen yeah. standing in front of you, and it gets away because you're doing something dumb. I seem to always pursue the ones that are the worst, the worst calls, because yeah. I'm like, there's no way a hunter made that. <laughs> like, the, like, well, there are, there though. are, there are, there totally are. Cause I've, I've had the same thing happen where I'm like, there's no way that was a hunter. And then I run into a hunter yep. and it's usually a beginner or someone I've seen really experienced, uh, hunters that blow the craziest calls mm-hmm. and you'll talk to them and they'll say, Sometimes bulls answer to weirder, like weird yeah. calls, something they haven't heard before. I always change it up throughout yeah. the day. If I'm not having any luck, I'll I sound like a dying chicken. Sometimes that works. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. Start blowing your coyote. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Like I've had, like, especially when I guided in the Lolo zone, mm-hmm. that was hit hard by wolves mm-hmm. at that time. And you wouldn't get an elk to respond to an elk call. Right. They'd come to you, but they always came in silent mm-hmm. because they didn't they didn't want to give away where they were. Right. And I sat with a hunter and listened to a bull on a ridge above us. Mm-hmm. He sounded like every animal you could think of. Yeah. At one point it sounded like a house cat meowing <laughs> at us. And I'm like, and I was like, that's not an elk. Right. And he ended up shooting it and it yeah. was an elk. Yeah, I've heard I've heard weird uh like throat gurgles. Mm-hmm. Um and especially when they're at close range, it seems like that's not even an animal. It yeah, sounds like a human. Like kind of glunking. Yeah. 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 Um, what's been your your favorite hunt that you've ever done, whether you got something or didn't, uh, that you would say, this is the top of the list, best hunting experience that I've had? I think there's two. One was the hunt of the lifetime mm-hmm. moose. That Yeah, tell for people who probably, don't know. Yeah, so Shaylin got you and I in with Hunt of a Lifetime, Mm -hmm. which is they take um, kids with life-threatening illnesses like cancer or leukemia Mm -hmm. or that kind of stuff. And if their dream is to go on a hunt, they make it happen. Mm -hmm. And they don't turn anybody away. Mm -hmm. It's like make a wish. Yeah, make a wish for hunting. But for hunting, yeah. Yeah. So – they get volunteers. We all raise money mm-hmm. to take the kids on the hunts and 
Jack was his name, and yep. we went on a moose hunt. Jack was, and his brother and his dad. Yeah. Awesome family. Which just the... I've always kind of been that way, I think. Like, I would rather see other people around me succeed mm-hmm. in their hunting than I do for myself. Right. And so that was a cool experience just to to be able to spend time with the family that, mm-hmm. you know, has gone through that. It made you really appreciate, like, what we have in life. Right. What we saw... We well, saw I guess I saw a, a bull and two cows the day before, and then we saw a cow and a calf. Yeah, because when I went, all we saw was a cow and a calf, and it was across a river, and the whole day had been foggy. Yeah. So we hadn't seen anything. Yeah. And then, yeah, we ended up seeing the moose that he shot later. Yeah. But that was it, for at yeah. least from my experience. But you were out scouting before that. Yeah, and that was all I saw the day before in the same area was a, well... A bull moose that has horns cut off. Yeah. That <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we still we all, we all talked out. about that. Yeah, yeah that's the weird. common consensus was fish and game cut him off. Yeah. So a poacher didn't shoot him, but mm, that's weird. I don't know. Cause it was, I think it was too early for him to lose his horns. Totally. I mean, yeah. moose are pretty early, but December. Yeah. That They're was not, like beginning of November. Yeah. So. That, that'd be very weird. So I was doing the filming on it and I'll show some, I'll put some clips up as we go. Um, but I was doing the filming on it and you were guiding and a volunteer helping with camp food, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, the first day we went out completely foggy, saw a cow and a calf and still made this hunt super fun for the kid. Like, oh yeah, even though it was miserable, they still were making it super fun. And it, it's, it, the temperature had dropped significantly that day too. Mm-hmm. Um, and was it that evening or do we, did we, no, it was, was that evening. That it was evening. on the same day. Yeah. That evening we went to a different spot and he had a perfect shot, uh, of a bedded down moose that we could not get the moose to stand up. Everyone's start, <laughs> yeah, at first. Right. It was like quiet. We got him ready to shoot. And the guide was like coaching him through it. And, uh, we, the guy started making moose calls to try to get him to stand up. This moose was like, no, I'm not. It moving. was crazy. Cause there what? there was like 12 of us <laughs> yeah, standing yeah. like yeah. 70 yards from this moose. He and did he not want to move. He's like, no, I'm good. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, no one shoots at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this moose stood up and kid made a perfect shot. Uh, two good shots. Yeah. Um, and dropped it right on a road, made it easy to pack the whole thing out whole crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he had the time time of his life. Uh, uh, so that's awesome that they do that program. Um, and then what was your second story? The second one was another young man that Shaylin and I went deer hunting. See, it wasn't this past season, but the season before Mm -hmm. and struck out and saw like three fifty bull come into the head of this Canyon by himself. Wow. And had heard about this Hispanic kid out of Shoshone mm-hmm. who had been hunting with our taxidermist mm-hmm. a lot and he'd been working hard Yeah, and they had seen no elk. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what are the chances that you could get a hold of that kid? Mm-hmm. And Shaylin's like, well, I'll try. Yeah. And like half hour later he was on his way. Wow. So it was, it was another one. Of, I think it was probably four mile hike. Mm-hmm. And we had to go down a big ravine, come up, and then somehow find our way across an open hill to get to one patch of trees he was in. Mm-hmm. And it came to the point where I was like, I hope he's asleep. <laughs> and I hope if we get in a line, he thinks we're some deer coming right. across. And we ended up getting there. And Wow. And it was really cool to watch this kid because he – it was his first time shooting a big game animal. Mm-hmm. It was his first year hunting. Maybe a second year hunting, but he didn't get anything the year before. So I had him, his gun propped up on my backpack and the wind was blowing like 40. Wow. And I'm like, I know what they teach you in Hunter's Ed. Mm -hmm. You do not have to listen to me. That's how I started out our conversation. (laughs) I'm like, it's totally up to you. Uh And literally there was a black hole Mm -hmm. through the Quakies. Mm -hmm. And I said... If you put your crosshairs right in the middle of that black hole, yep. you will hit his vitals. Yep. I could see his head from where I was sitting, so I knew 
You knew the position he was in. And through my binoculars, I could see his body. Right. I saw the gold, so I knew he was there. And he goes, I can't see him. Yeah. And I'm like, you do not have to shoot. <laughs> but I'm telling you that if you did, if you do, <laughs> you will hit that bull. Yeah. And he thought about it, and he's like, you're 100% sure. And I'm like, I'm positive. Yeah. I wouldn't tell you to shoot at something that I can't see. <laughs> right. So then he started fighting the wind and he's like, I can't get comfortable. And I'm like, we have all day. Yeah. If, if he walks out, then even better Then you can see him. Right. And he ended up, I think his words were, I guess I'm going to trust you and hope. And mm -hmm. he shot yep. and the bull never left his bed. Wow. And that was a good bull. That's awesome. And we all packed it out yep. together and. I don't know. It's just like hunting with younger generation of hunters is yeah. a lot of fun, especially seeing their them succeed. Right. No, and I I'm with you. There's something there's something about it. It it must stem from like what hunting and fishing has done for me mm -hmm. and how it's given me purpose and hobbies and a pursuit that a lot of people don't have. Um can you talk a little bit about what it's done for you in your life? Hunting? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that is it's like the drive to not quit mm -hmm. anything because hunting is probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. There's weeks, I mean, that I've gone without even seeing what I'm pursuing. Mm -hmm. So that it just like mentally toughens you, I think. Right. Like it, no matter what happens in life, if you just keep going, you're going to get through it. Right. It's going to suck. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, but mm -hmm. it, it doesn't suck forever. Right. Like that. So I think hunting is just, it's made me calmer. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm learning patience Yeah. <laughs> still, but, yeah. and I don't know, it just carries over into everything I do. Cause no, I, I just, I know if I keep pushing, I'll get where I want to be. I fully agree. There's so many life lessons that come from just being in the mountains. And especially when you're pursuing something, it's different than, you know, pursuing a ridge or pursuing a peak mm -hmm. like that stuff's awesome. And, but it's there and it's stable and you can get to it. Exactly. You can see it. Yeah. Pursuing something that you can't see or don't know is there and and it oftentimes feels like a blind pursuit. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I think you get so much that you can you can take with you in your normal life. Because oftentimes you're pursuing goals that you may not be able to see mm -hmm. what the end looks like with that goal, but you know that you want it. Yep. And so you just keep going and keep walking towards it. And it, you know, dealing with failure. Yeah. I mean, that right there, any goal you set. Mm -hmm you're going to fail reaching that goal unless it's like my goal's going to pick up that pot over there. <laughs> you know, like yeah. obviously that's obtainable. Yeah. But if you dream big, mm -hmm. you're going to fail multiple times getting to your ultimate goal. Totally. And you're going to have to move a different way and figure it out. And I think that, I mean, that's what hunting is too. Yeah. Yeah. And Cause if it were, if it were easy, everyone would pursue these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think hunting teaches you to continue to pursue these things, even when it's not easy. Yep. And, and just good attitude about mm -hmm. it. Not, I mean, hunting is a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. Oh yeah. You go from the most days, probably getting out of the truck going, well, I'm going to hike this damn mountain mm -hmm. and I'm not going to see anything and I'm going to go home empty handed. Right. To all of a sudden there's an elk screaming in your face. Yeah to you missing a shot or it not <laughs> happening to then you're back to that. Like, yes. well, now I'm never going to shoot one. That yep. was my chance. Yeah. And I've just learned to adapt to that and mm -hmm. always have a good attitude. Like <clears throat> this year or this past season, mm -hmm. Shaylin with her buck. Yeah. I mean, we hunted hard for three days mm -hmm. and we were tired and she didn't want to get out of bed. And I said, look, we'll go to this Ridge. Mm hmm. At noon, if we don't see anything, we'll come back. Mm -hmm. And we talk, like we're hiking and she's kind of, you know, I don't, she was motivated to get to that spot. Right. And I had to keep telling her, like, if we find does, there's mm -hmm. going to be a buck somewhere. Yep. And <clears throat> there was one point I thought she was going to throw in the towel and mm -hmm. then 
I was like, we can go home if your feet are hurting that bad. And she's like, I want to see what's over that ridge. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up spotting, spotting the buck. Yep. And then she put an awesome stock and shot on it. Mm-hmm. But it's like that never giving up, right? Right. Like it's the last day and keep going. Cause yeah. You can shoot stuff on the last day, right? Last minutes, right? I mean, it happens all the time. Oh yeah, um, I I feel like most of the good bucks I've gotten have always been from, uh, from having miserable times in the morning, miserable times in the afternoon, and still going. Oh, I have one more ridge mm-hmm. that I'm even uh, able to check in this whole canyon. Like everything, I've checked this entire bowl. I have one more ridge or I can hike straight down to the vehicle and be done. Yeah. And it seems like the good bucks you get are always when you go that one more ridge. Yeah. Uh, I was with two buddies of mine um, and we were hunting this big bowl. And uh, I remember we had one more ridge and both my buddies, they, they were like, we're, one of them said, I'm done. I'm going back to the truck. This was the most miserable day ever. <laughs> and he, he didn't even have a conversation. He was walking down to the truck. And my other buddy, I was like, dude, it's literally 150 more yards up this mountain. Mm-hmm. 150 more yards. We can look into this next canyon and then we'll go home. We'll be done. And it was miserable. We were side hilling all day. Yeah. Um, and my buddy turns to me and he goes, you know what? Just to prove to you that there's no bucks over this ridge, I'm going to hike up there with you. (laughs) And we hike up this ridge. And sure enough, I see this. There's a little more to this story because my buddy, he actually all of a sudden kept saying, I'm hearing a buck. He Apparently, he can hear bucks. I don't know. (laughs) But I remember him saying, I'm hearing a buck. And I think he was hearing antlers uh, like rubbing against trees mm-hmm. or something. I don't, I don't know what he heard, but it, he said, I I'm hearing a buck. And so he kind of went up this Canyon. I said, well, I'll, I'll look across the Canyon and see if anything spooks out. Maybe 10 seconds after he left, all I see is this pine tree shaking. I can't see what's shaking it, but I know something is shaking this mm-hmm. pine tree. All I could think of was it's either a bear, a bull or a buck. Um, and it shook for probably three minutes and that must be what he was hearing, but we yeah. couldn't see it. And, uh, yeah, this, this buck popped out and my buddy who had circled around, didn't quite have a shot, even though he was maybe 50 yards from it. And I had a 350 yard shot across the Canyon that I shot, threaded the needle through this forest and and hit this buck. Um, but that taught me a hundred percent whenever I'm in that position of, I only have one more to go, Mm -hmm. or should I go another Ridge? I always remember that story. And that applies in life. Should I do this? At this business venture, like even, even with this podcast, uh, you know, putting together these podcasts are difficult, but I continually am going, I'm going to do another one. I'm going to do another mm-hmm. one. I'm going to do another one and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely agree. It translates in, into the rest of your life. And then I read somewhere too, like, uh, I can't remember where I read it. I just read it not too long ago, but they were talking about traits like mentally tough people have Mm -hmm. and one of them is to break things down Mm. smaller Mm -hmm. so like apparently the majority of the people if you say we're gonna go do this 18 and a half mile loop today Mm -hmm. all they think about is 18 and a half miles and i'm gonna totally die and suffer the entire way yep where like if i look at a map i'm like oh just go go to that lake and kick it there for a little while yeah and just break it down into smaller sections and not think about the overall mission, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. No, I get what you're saying. Even, you know, like people who have to go through mentally tough things like seals and and that type of stuff, uh, they'll talk about, they can do, they can do it one more time. Mm -hmm. They can take one more step. They can take one more, one more, one more. And and they run that through their mind until they're, Tens of thousands of steps yeah, beyond what they were at. You look at those guys, that's a couple months of yeah. the most brutal. Oh, and yeah. I did read a book on a seal and he talked about his training and mm-hmm. the way he got through it was, I'm going to make it to lunch. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it to dinner. Right. He broke it down in three parts every mm-hmm. day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yep. And 
he said not once did he think about the fact that he was going to suffer that horribly for two months. Right, right. It was just like, I just got to make it to lunch. Yeah. And it seems like hunting is a natural way to kind of teach you that because it's easier, especially when you're, when you're hunting through the, like when you're hiking in the dark, that's one thing because you're not hunting, you're hiking, Mm -hmm. you're getting to the point that you know, you're going to be able to see game from, or you hope. But when you get to that point, the rest of the day you're hunting. And so the rest of the day it's, I'm going to travel another mile. I still didn't see anything. I'm going to go another mile. I'm going to go another mile until you are finding those animals that other people were like, ah, they stopped at the first mile. They stopped at the second mile. Yeah. Um, and that's something I'm still trying to, to practice. You know, I think mental toughness, uh, is continually that level of learning to deal with suckage. Yeah. deal with like, it's cold. I'm tired. I don't want to go. I, even if I shot something right now, mm-hmm. could I even bring it back? And I think when you get to that level of, yeah, of course you can, it might take time. It might mm-hmm. suck, but then you get to the, you can picture yourself at the very end of this going, this was the best experience ever. Those are the ones you'll always remember. Yeah, totally. And, it, and it's gotten me in trouble a few times, like, yeah. or made it worse. But mm-hmm. <laughs> my motto with hunting has always been, you know, once it's shot, those are details. Right. I don't really care where I got to go to make that happen. Yep. I don't think about it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's gotten me a couple of times like that. Well, we talked about earlier. It's like, once it's on the ground and you're like, huh, we're in a bit of a pickle here. Right. Like we're, we're <laughs> a long way from the truck. Right. But there's, you know, I've slept out, made a campfire, put oh, yeah. all my gear on and yep. made it work. Yeah. And you, I mean, like you said, those are the stories you remember. And um, I think like, uh, I do a lot of hunting alone mm-hmm. and backpacking alone. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that like self rescue mentality, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just you right before they had garments and yeah. like ways to reach people. Right. Those are like, if I hurt now. myself, I got to figure it out <laughs> right. <because laughs> or just lay here and die. Right. Yeah. But that is I've something. been in some situations with people where I stayed perfectly calm. I was not panicked at all. Mm-hmm. And if you would have watched a vi- like if it would have just been a video of them, yeah. you'd have been like, these, these guys are dead. Like right. they're not making it out of the woods. Right. Ever. Right. Yeah. Do you have any good stories from uh, similar to where people got themselves in a crazy situation um, during your guiding days? Do you have anything like that? Ah, uh, we, I mean, we or had, even any crazy we had stories, some accidents, guides, days. but, um, we had some accidents. Well, you know, people get hurt in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> well, like one, we were, I think it was a guide school. Uh-huh. We were running some guys through there and there was an older gentleman from Washington. I think that he was a retired military guy. Mm-hmm. He just wanted the backcountry experience, horseback, pack mules, yep. wall tents. And he was up with us and. He was leading a string down the mountain and he went to get back on his horse. And when he did, he caught the lead rope under his leg Mm. of his pack string. Mm -hmm. So he was trying to wrestle that out. His horse thought he was on the saddle. So he started going down the hill Mm -hmm. and he let go. And then he got like strung out between the pack string and the horse because the horse is going, the pack string's not. And I was yelling for him to toss the lead rope to the pack string and he finally did, but then it was too late and that horse was like dead run down the hill. And I didn't know what to say to the guy because he's scared. Yeah. I'm, I'm scared for him because like a horse running full speed down a mountain is not a good situation. All I could think to say was find a soft spot and bail. Right. And, and thinking about it now, I'm like, it's probably not what the guy wanted to hear. Cause I kept yelling Find it louder. Bail. <laughs> oh, and finally good. he jumped. Yeah. And when he jumped, I heard the loudest crack oh. I've ever heard. And he wasn't moving on the ground. And yeah. it's like, he just broke his neck. There's oh. no way he didn't. Yeah. Cause he, he pile drived his teeth oh. into a sawed off stump. Jeez. And he that was up, not a soft spot. No, he ended up being all right. And That's cool. I ended up taking him to the hospital and, yeah. and he did get a bunch of stitches and came out and said, well, I didn't find the soft spot. <laughs> I was like, no, you did not. <laughs> Gosh, that's crazy when the only advice you can offer. 
in like, a situation like yeah, this. I, I didn't know what to say. Spot. I just find soft spot and bail. <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of a unique situation there because it was in the cellway. Mm-hmm. It, it bordered the wilderness and it was the end of the road. So the closest hospital from our base camp was a six hour drive. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to get in and out of. I mean, we had a helipad, but mm-hmm. that's like last case scenario. Right, right. So there's yeah, there's a few times we uh yeah I've gotten to myself accidents. in uh in uh cliff weird cliff predicaments. Uh, I've um, done the same. Where you you like the one that I I actually I would say I get into this at least once every three years, uh, <laughs> and I always tell myself don't do it like it's not worth it. No mm-hmm. animal is worth it. But when you see that animal, it all of a sudden becomes worth it. It's worth it. Because uh, <laughs> I've gotten in those situations where I look across a ridge and I go, there's a good buck. Now I got to get within range. Mm. And the range that I have to get to is usually I have to get up these cliffs so that I can like lay down and get a really solid rest. Because I'm usually on something vertical that's super hard to shoot from. And I know I have to get closer. And usually if I can get up to this ridge, I'm a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. I'm really thinking of one specific scenario that's happened to me a lot <laughs> in the same exact spot. Um, and I'll look up and I'll see this cliff and I'll go, oh, it's not, it's not that bad. It's, I just got to get over this cliff. And so I'll start climbing up it until I get to the point where I'm, I'm rock climbing. Yeah. I'm rock climbing and I don't have any ropes. And it's, you know, it's not like you're rock climbing like sheer cliffs. But if you fall, you're dead. Yeah, you're going to be hurt. But you can't. You also best. have gone up to a certain point that you you can't reverse back down, or at least I don't have the skills to reverse back down. Yeah. So it's it gets to the point where you're like, I have to continue up this, and I don't even know what the next ledge looks like. Mm-hmm. You get to the next ledge, and you're still going up the cliff, and you're still trying to navigate up this. Uh, so I seem to get myself into that situation at least once every three years. Yeah. And every time I do it, I'm like, I'm not going up there again. But it's usually the same exact cliff that I try. My nemesis is Google Earth. Yeah. You look at ridges and cliffs and stuff on Google Earth, they don't look bad at all. You get up there, it is like, oh, man, that's 2,000 feet straight down. Right. Yep. Yep. Totally. Um, Luckily, you know, I haven't haven't had any situation. I haven't even been with anyone where we've gotten um, seriously hurt. I, I had a guy when we were gutting out an animal didn't realize his broadhead was still in there and he mm. was cleaned up and was cutting himself and not even realizing it. Um, so I've had, I've had that kind of scenario. Um, yeah. I've been fortunate enough not to be involved in any backcountry rescues <laughs> with anybody I've been with. Two years ago, I forgot about this. Two years ago, I had a, a someone call um, that said, Hey, my fiance uh, just stabbed himself in the leg when he got the, when he got an elk. Uh, and you know, I, I didn't know this guy, but mm-hmm. I knew, okay, I, I can go out and help him. I just hunted that morning. Didn't realize how hard this pack out was going to be. Um, but he had, and this guy was a beast. I'd love to have him on to tell this story, but he had stabbed himself in the calf, which I, I made him sit down and show me how this happened when we got up to mm-hmm. the elk. Cause I, I've never been in a scenario where I could stab my calf the way he did, but he stabbed it blade in point in, Ooh. and it was that far in, uh, right into his muscle. And he pulled it out and immediately left the elk. Cause mm-hmm. he's, he knew he had to get back before he bled out or whatever was going to happen. So he got back, they pumped him with saline, I guess. I don't know. They pumped him with saline, stitched it up. And he was back out there with, walking sticks ready to go. So I thought because this guy is, um, is ready to go after stabbing himself in the leg, I thought this isn't going to be that bad. He can't, he can't be that far in. Otherwise he wouldn't be willing to do this. Mm-hmm. So five miles on a flat trail and then two miles going up vertical and then another mile going up the side of the mountain <laughs> before we reached this elk that he had shot. And literally it was the first slice the first slice he made on this elk, he stabbed oh, himself. Man. So when we got up there, I hope I hope the meat wasn't ruined. Um, but it was a warmer day, and that elk had been sitting there all day with guts still in because uh, dude was trying to make sure he survived the experience. Right. <laughs> but he put a quarter and a head on his pack, a quarter and the skull, and the rest of us packed out everything else. 
And there were times where his calf muscle wasn't working. So he, especially going uphill, cause mm-hmm. that's where you need your calf. He was crawling up with elk antlers on his back, crawling up. That's awesome. The, and dude was such a beast. <laughs> um, and I remember thinking like, oh, okay, like this, this guy has now advanced from stupid hunter to strong, badass hunter. Um, just from that experience. And he'll yeah. tell that story forever. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, I guess, I guess crazy things happen. Fingers crossed for me, nothing yet, but I do recommend anyone who goes out into these situations should have an in reach. Uh, I agree. It's smart. It just gives you so much more sense of safety. It also makes you do dumber things, do dumber things as well. <laughs> Because you have that yeah, safety net. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. The worst comes to worst. I, I can helicopter in. in. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people have that common misconception too. Yeah. It's like, if it's bad enough, mm-hmm. like weather wise, they're not coming in. They're not coming to help no. you. So you better be prepared. To, right. Especially blizzard. Yeah. If it's two day storm, you better have what you need to make it two days. Yeah. Totally. Like yeah. personally, if somebody got a hold of me and search and rescue wouldn't go find them, I'd probably rally some people and make oh, yeah. it happen. Right. But yeah. You can text enough guys to get yeah. them out there. Be like, save your ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't come for me. <laughs> right. I'll never come for you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's funny that that's how it works for uh, hunters. Like if you get that phone call, you could be working, you could be doing whatever. If you get that phone call, whether it's I need help most of the time it's, I need help because it's, I need help getting this animal out mm-hmm. or I need help. Uh, you pretty much drop what you're doing and you go help them because yeah. you know that that's the scenario that you could be in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even with, even with bulls that I've shot, uh, with my bow that have been not that far of hikes, I'm still calling people to help me get it cut up and get it out of there as quickly as I can. Oh yeah. Because I know that they're going to be calling me as soon as they get one and I'm going to help them with it too. It's just yeah. part of it. I mean, it's a big job to yeah. oh, quarter yeah. an elk by yourself. You're hauling out 400 plus pounds of meat. You need ropes. Yeah. You need <laughs> all sorts I like, of I stuff. Like I was saying, you're hauling out 400 pounds of meat. You're like, you need ropes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember the days when pack frames weren't really, um, oh, maybe yeah. they were a thing, but I didn't know about it. Well, it was just like the normal yeah old school pack frame yeah we didn't have these backpacks that the bags come off yeah you got meat shelves and all that stuff i remember um we we hauled out a deer one time uh josh and i hauled out a deer one time like like they would on the islands after they shoot a pig (laughs) over the stick stick lashed legs yes yep we did that once um I mean, we've come up with a lot of creative ways before these pack frames came out. Now the pack frames add such a new level of security for me, mm-hmm. um, knowing that I can I can get out a full deer by myself if it's not yeah. a crazy situation. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of I don't drag anything anymore. Yeah, that's no. that's thing in my past. I could be 500 yards from the truck, and you're cutting it up, and I'm like. We cut it up, pack it out, or you can drag it there yourself. Right. Because uh, yeah, just We're, all the bushes and like it's oh, no, just I'm way more it. work than it needs to be. Elk. So I, it's it's I've been I've been in a, a few lucky scenarios. My buddy shot a cow elk um, last year, two years ago, something like that, and we were able to drag the thing out whole because it was like this mm-hmm. where he shot it, and it was literally a straight shot down to the truck, and it was snow. We were just trying not to get yeah. run over by the elk the entire time. That's an exception. I will yeah. kick stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Get it going. Let it roll. <laughs> right. Until I can. can go. Once yeah. it gets to the bottom, I'm like, then you're right, cutting it I'm up. Cutting it up. Yeah. Uh, we've had scenarios where we drag elk straight down, get it to the bottom. And then we're like, okay, just a hundred yards to go. And you can't even budget. So mm. you have to cut it up at that point. Yeah. Like I watched that video of you dragging that buck up the mountain. Yeah. On one of your previous podcasts. I'm <sighs> like, no way. <laughs> only on i say this every time someone asks me only my dad can convince me to do that because my dad's all about hang it up whole it tastes better it's easier to manage i i get it i get it um but that was only he could convince me to do that because i will i'll pack if i'm going uphill if i'm going even side hill 
I'm going to be cutting it up. Mm -hmm. um, and somehow he said, oh, just get it over the syringe. Five hours later, we got it over that ridge. <laughs> yeah. Any other direction we would have went, if we would have cut it up, if I would have drug it out to the highway, any direction we would have went would have taken two and a half hours. <laughs> and the direction we chose took five hours. I blew out one of the muscles in my back doing oh, it. Man. I had to get, um, I had to get a uh, my dad's little fanny pack that he had. I had to strap it really hard to my waist to just keep my muscle from twitching mm. out. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's not fun. No, no, it's no. miserable. So, what are your plans for this year for hunting? There might be different? an Alaska trip Ooh, in the works. Okay, either for this year or next year. What are you going for? Moose, bear, uh, both. Cool, that'll be so awesome. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, you got any local plans? Um, if I draw a mountain goat tag, yeah, you going for that? Yeah, I have been. That's awesome. I want to do it while I'm young, and yeah, totally can. Can get can it out get, successfully. Can get there. <laughs> right. And then I don't, we may go to Colorado if, mm -hmm. for elk if um, Alaska doesn't work out. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, as soon as uh, this season's up, we should have you back on and recap, see how you did yeah, this year. Um, for sure. Anytime. I'm excited to get Shaylin in um, and we'll get some of her stories. I'd love for her to tell her buck story because I'm sure she's going to go right back into the memory of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, She'll yeah. probably be mad at me because I didn't share all my good stories. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> so you're, you have to have me back. All right. I'll have you back. <laughs> I'll have you back. We'll do some more stories. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Maybe we'll have you both on after she does it. That'd be, yeah. Because yeah. then she'll. She'll give you shit. She'll give me the direction <laughs> I need to yeah. end up on those stories. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Because uh, yeah, there's a few that she likes hearing. Mm -hmm. She's probably heard them 50 times. Yep. She's still like, you got to tell the story. I'm just going to have her sit here and she can direct <laughs> you and the stories that you need to tell. Uh, yeah, that'd be good. That'd probably work. Okay. Awesome. Well, can't wait to have you back. Yeah, thanks. Yep. Appreciate it.